Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to True Restoration. Here is your host. Um, so I guess I'd like to start at the beginning, Father. What's the most typical way you get a sick call? Well, it depends, really. Um, there's two ways, really. There's uh, A sick call is kind of a general term, is that you have uh, some who, say, are, are homebound or invalid or even... Um, you know, cannot make it, say, to the sacraments to Mass or that. So sometimes the priest will be able to bring them Holy Communion outside of Mass. And so that would be kind of considered a sick call uh, in that regards. But then you have a sick call in regards to someone uh, who is in danger of death. Um, there's that there's a, been in an accident or they've gone into the hospital or um, very sick and there's a possibility of death. And that's also a sick call, but that would be considered then the priest would more than likely be giving them the last rites, um, which is the uh, combination then of confession, uh, viaticum, which is the giving of Holy Communion, and then extreme unction, and then the apostolic blessing if it's it's very near death at that point. So you have kind of two different um, general, I guess you can say, sick calls. My My general sick calls um, the vast majority of mine um, are those uh, uh, who um, don't receive or cannot come to Mass. And so I, I, I go out and give them Holy Communion, obviously a confession and then Holy Communion. Um, but then a good portion too as well are the um, calls of, of emergency or a danger of death or somebody's in the hospital um, or dying. Um, so it just, it varies, uh, in that regards. Would, would, would you say it's 80, 20 or 75, 25? And it's when you say vast majority, I'm thinking three times out of four, you're going to, you know, give someone communion who's homebound and then maybe 25% of the time you're doing the extreme unction route. Is that, is that probably, I would say, yeah, that would say that would probably be a good good percentage. I would say, um, it just depends on the large, on how large a parish is or, um, what have you, uh, you know, it depends on, you know, like I said, uh, the, also the dynamics on often the, uh, elderly ratio, you can say of a parish, um, sure. you know, in that regard. So, but yeah, probably 75, 25 is probably a good, good number. And, you know, as you're, as you're saying it to me, father, it's just occurred to me that, that essentially the church doesn't let you have any excuses. Oh, you, you can't come to church. Well, we'll come to you. Right. So you, you offer delivery services right, for our, our, our Lord, um, the church doesn't let you get away with uh, saying, oh, I can't make it, you know, it gives us opportunities like this. Oh, absolutely. Sure. No, I mean, and and, and most of, of course, the, the sick calls as far as giving communion is that most people are, you know, they, they want to come. I mean, they can't, but they, they can't because they're invalid or they don't have anybody sometimes to, if they're older, they're by alone or whatever, they don't have anybody to take them, et cetera. And so, so their desire is there, but you're right is, uh, you know, obviously I'm not going to, if someone is healthy and, and um, you know, and, and young and healthy or whatever, and, and just decides, well, I just don't want to come to mass, but can you bring me communion? I, I'm not going to do that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Well, I, can you, let's, can we break that down a little bit further? So uh, you're going to this person, what does that look like? Are you are you going to sit and chat with them for a while? Do you, do you try to give them our Lord first, give them some time to reflect, and then maybe chat with them? Or is it some something a bit more functionary where you're there to give them communion, but you've got another appointment, you've got to move on? How does that normally break down for you? Again, there's a variable as far as the amount of time one can spend uh, with each, uh, um, each person, but uh, it's very serious in regards to, you know, if a priest is coming to bring Holy Communion, is that what will happen is that what should happen is that the uh, priest will, will come and often uh, the priest, uh, I guess basics would be, uh, at least in the United States, most priests will be dressed, of course, in their clerics, uh, their clerical suit. Or, um, But if you maybe are going to a home or somewhere in that regards, you know, some priest, I mean, I myself will wear, wear my cassock and surplus uh, with my stole as well. It just depends in, in that regards. But so you're also you have our Lord uh, in a pix, which is a a a, a gold container, um, which is often uh, around the neck of the priest. 
uh, and the priest is wearing his white stole. And so he'll come to the door uh, of the person. And the person, if he's able, uh, should be able there, should receive the priest with a lighted candle. Um, uh, and it should be silent. There should be no, you know, hi, hey, doing, hi, you know, that kind of thing. It's because you're there. It's our Lord and our Lord and, and he's coming to you. And, and it's not, there's no time for chit chat right there at, at this point. Um, so the priest then will go uh, over and usually there's a small table that's set up usually for a priest with, with a white cloth over it. But most priests, myself, uh, we have we bring everything we need because in this day and age, um, uh, most Catholics, unfortunately, are not necessarily um, prepared. Or, or you're saying most houses don't have a purificator waiting for uh, you. Well, yes, saying. right. I mean, yeah. Usually in the in the past, you know, you read of course about that that was just the norm. I mean, everyone had a little table that they would have ready for them. You'd have everything they had the candles on it. They have a little bowl of water for you. They have all this sort of thing on there. And it was just normally that's what everyone understood. That's what you had, but it doesn't work usually that way today. So the priest usually brings everything he needs, but the often sometimes the pre, the person will will have something there, um, so the priest could and uh, to use as well. So the priest will uh, set up a little table then with a white cloth over it. Then he'll put a, a usually a crucifix on it and has the candles lit on it. The blessed candles, uh, beeswax blessed candles. Uh, that regards, you have a little bowl with water for ablution bowl. Um, then he'll he'll have a little corporal that he'll he'll put out uh, on the table, and then he'll put the pyx then uh, of, which contains our Lord on that corporal. Uh, he'll genuflect, uh, and then he'll begin the rite uh, of of giving communion. And you know, there's a blessing first uh, of uh, with holy water of the house, etc. Um, and then, you know, the priest will pray a, a prayer and then uh, he'll be able then to give Holy Communion then to uh, the person. But first, the priest uh, uh, will ask the person if he d needs to go to confession first. And, and if he does, then the priest will hear his confession. Uh, and then the priest will be able to uh, give uh, Holy Communion then to the person. And then, you know, within the rite, the rite itself doesn't take all that long, It's but yet uh, there should be, there's a comportment, should be a comportment of reverence as soon as the priest arrives until after the rite is over and there's a little time of prayer for um, with the person, uh, let the person, of course, make his thanksgiving. Uh, and then, then after that, then there's uh, some time for visiting, you know, some chit-chat, some good spiritual talk uh, that the priest often will do. Um, but in regards to the, uh, and it's not a, a, a social time per se, uh, it's it's a time of receiving of the sacraments, of, of which is very serious and, and, and should be treated as such. Um, but then, of course, again, like I said, after the rite is over, after uh, then the priest, uh, you know, like I said, can spend as much time as he can with, if he de desires, with the person um, to again chat, and he can even, you know, lighthearted even a little bit to, at times. But um, you know, it is. It they're is, they're uh, not required to have coffee and donuts for you, correct, Father? No, 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 not at all. So no, they don't no, have to have no. a purificator, uh, and they don't have to have a reception. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it's a. Uh, um, you know, it, it's uh, in most priests, uh, we do, um, you know, it, it, we do have a, a, a lot on our plate, so to speak. And so, you know, that's probably not the only um, sick call or, or communion call we have that day, or, or we'll try to kind of organize it to where we, we may have uh, others as well. Or, or So it just depends uh, on the priest schedule. So you may have several hosts with you. It depends. Yes, you can. Um, if you do, if if it is um, uh, more uh, like if this is a, if you're going to another place, uh, another person after that is that obviously then there would be no chit chatting then afterwards. You just be uh, you know give the, the a blessing and, and then you'd be then off to your to the next um, uh, sick person. As you're describing it, Father, it seems to me uh, that it would be it would almost be harder because we, we have, I would say, the luxury of Mass. Uh, you have both the, the scripture readings and a sermon, possibly, as well as the ablutions, Thanksgiving, post-communion. 
to cocoon us for the consecration and then reception of communion. So we're prepared. We're le- leading up to something great. But uh, a person who's getting a sick call, they they better be ready by the time you get there. There's no there's no warm up. There's no epistle. Uh, there's no there's no sermon. So in a way, it almost seems to me to be harder. I think it it can. It's certainly uh, you're right as far as you know. Obviously, the the priest is not just gonna show up unannounced and say, okay, I'm here for your communion, you know, in that regards, he's, he's going to plan it so that the person themselves does it. There's more responsibility on the person themselves to begin to prepare themselves for that. Um, so yes, they do have to uh, be, be uh, in that uh, disposed uh, to to for the priest to come and for uh, the reception of communion and and again it, it, but it is difficult yes because uh, uh, you know it's uh, but it it's uh, it can be uh, it's a little easier so to speak when you have to go to a hospital um, in that regards because often with the hospital when someone's in their hospital bed you know you um, and you're giving them communion if 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 it's just the communion uh, is that there's in the hospital oftentimes people there there is already a um, sense of awareness of of the um, uh, the magnitude of what's going on you know their possibility you know their, of death maybe uh, in that regard so it's a little easier to to grasp that than it is say. You know, if someone's just an invalid in their home and, and in their comfortable setting, sort of a home, and so that, but it, it, the person does has to uh, take upon himself to prepare well uh, to to do that because yes, it is it is quite quick in, in a certain sense, and, and you know, it's I mean the rite itself probably I don't know I I didn't never timed it as but probably maybe ten minutes. I mean it's it's you know not very very long at all. And I'm thinking too, I've been in situations where I've, um, I've assisted the priest from, from taking the blessed sacrament, uh, from, from the tabernacle and then going to his car. So as an altar boy, I'm ringing bells and any faithful who are around, they need to drop and kneel, uh, as the priest makes his way to the car. But I've thought about you, father, uh, it certainly changes the dynamics of your car ride, right? You're not necessarily listening to sermons. You know, you've got, you've got the king of the universe with you. Um, how do you find that that changes the dynamics of your drive and, and the way that you, I mean, obviously you've got to drive, so you're not having the luxury of, 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 let's say regular time with our Lord, but I mean, he's right there. You've got him on your chest, you know? Oh, oh sure. No, it's, 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 uh, but really it's a, it's a great time to make a holy hour. Uh, I mean, really truthfully, I mean, I mean, you're obviously you're concentrating on driving, of course. I mean, in, in, in depending how long the drive is, I mean, sometimes I've, you know, had, I've I've had to drive um, six hours to give a, a communion to someone uh, uh, because they had no, nothing you know that's the only way I could do it and so it's a long time yes um, and but you know you you spend that time in prayer you spend it in praying a rosary and and it's great time uh, quiet time and meditation uh, in that regards and so but at the same time you know it is uh, you know practical it's not like it's um, you know, uh, yes, it's it's well, it's like uh, when a priest gives Holy Communion at Mass. You know, the sure fact that that I am holding God in my hands, uh, as a you know, if I were to reflect and stop, uh, you know, as I'm holding our Lord in my hands, I I would never be able to move. I would just be. So you kind of have to say you have to do your duty and then later of course afterwards you can reflect more and meditate more and contemplate more but you know you have to do your duty and and you have to uh, kind of put your uh, do your part in that regards and so it's the same when you're when you're carrying our lord in holy communion you realize you know that yes it's god but yet you know you you're bringing god to to uh, to bring our lord to another and so you can meditate and contemplate in that regards, but at the same time, you, you have to feel your due duty. And, and, you know, you have your normal, there's nothing you can do other, you have your normal, you have to, you have to drive, you have to, um, you know, sometimes, you know, you have, of course you have, if you're long drive, I mean, you might have a, a glass of water, you know, you can drink and things of that nature. And I mean, it's, it's, it's some things you have to do, but you're always cognizant of the fact that you, you have our Lord. I mean, he's right next to your heart in the pics, you know, and so... I'm reminded there's a story of a saint who uh, sometimes would mystically pray 
it's an Italian saying. I wish I had her name. Um, a, it'll come to me after the show, I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> she would pray the rosary sometimes uh, with our Lord uh, present with her. So they would they would be walking uh, down the cloister, or she'd be kneeling, and she'd say, "Glory be to the Father and to Thee." <laughs> And to the Holy Spirit, because our Lord was there, uh, you know, present with her. And it's interesting, just the dynamics. And I think that's that that why a holy hour is so powerful and why it's such a salutary practice. I think sometimes because trads have to come such long distances to come to Mass on Sunday, they don't realize, um, yes, you can have a chapel at home. And yes, you can have your house, your home consecrated to the Sacred Heart. And you should do all those things. But really... A Eucharistic Holy Hour is just a level above, and yes. and and you you get to do it uh, in an even more immediate format. So, uh, yes, um, you know it's it's uh, it's a burden, but you know what a a great challenge to you because again you've got to drive, but you've got to you know take this special time. You get to be with our Lord um, in this very intimate way. Uh, it's, it's very special. Yes, no, and no, I even I I have not myself done it, but I I have heard of uh, some priests that you know they even have to sometimes fly, uh, um, you know, to bring Holy Communion to someone, and 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 I think one priest had told me a long time ago he had he had to do that. It was just and just the thought of that of you know you're sitting on a plane, you know, with people are all around you, and they're you know you have our Lord, <laughs> and they, of course nobody knows really, and and. It's it's kind of unique in that regard. Well, I know I know some older priests might joke. Well, that's a lot like Sunday Mass, maybe. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I saw a uh, I saw a video uh, that was in the Irish archive from 1962, and this priest was trying to. There was it was a it was a five minute video, but it was just teasing people about what people do when they come to church and they chat and they cough and they come in late or they go out and they make a smoke. And I'm thinking, this is mm -hmm. Ireland in 1962, and they're making sort of a a video like, please don't do this at church. So this was in the <laughs> 60s. This was back in the day. So uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it, I times haven't say, changed some, much. No, <laughs> right. You know, whether you're on an airplane or whether you're at a chapel on Sunday, it might be the same behavior. Some people forget our Lord is there. And I'm always a bit dismayed by that because you think, well, it's one hour a week. You know, our Lord's here. Like you guys can wait to talk at coffee and donuts. Just can you wait till you leave the chapel, please? <laughs> Just, right. Just, yeah. just get out already. Um, I know. I know. So, um, uh, so this is. Uh, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, Father. But I'm just. I'm just <laughs> trying to tease my fellow fellow Catholics to maybe be a bit more cognizant. Um, yes. So we've been talking about the what is eighty. Let's say seventy five to eighty percent of your call your your personal sick calls is is communion to invalids or people who um, who don't who can't get a ride. Um, so I want to shift the discussion and talk about. Um, extreme unction. And something that I'm interested in uh, is the idea of the efficacy of the sacrament apart from danger of death, because I think we've we've maybe lost a sense of that, um, that idea of holy oils, um, water as a, as a healing, as a, uh, can I use the phrase preventative medicine? I mean, we have holy water, not just because it's something that Catholics have in their house, but we think that we, we think we know, we believe that it has a, a spiritual efficacy. So I'm interest, very interested in the idea of last rites as a curative, not just as something that you receive before you, you die. And I wanted to ask if you've either heard of or experienced any circumstances in which extreme unction actually turned out to be part of the healing process for somebody and they got better. Well, sure. I mean, extreme unction itself, I mean, it, it's the sacrament, which it's, it's through the anointing uh, with the, the oil that is blessed by the bishop uh, on Holy Thursday by uh, by the priest and through his prayers and the church it gives health and its strength to the soul and sometimes even you're, and you're right to the body it might even heal the body when we are in danger of death from sickness or accident or, or old age but yes you know the I have myself um, had times where you know I've I've gone into um, a hospital room and and someone is certainly close to death or at least um the the danger is certainly there uh and i've given that person the last rites extreme unction 
course, confession, extreme unction. Um, oftentimes, uh, it's hard when they're unconscious. Obviously, you can't get them, give them viaticum. Um, but so, but I've given I, specifically. I remember uh, someone who was uh, she was uh, she was going to die. I mean, it, and it was uh, her sister, I believe, was there in the room with her. And uh, she was, this woman was a good Catholic. I, I mean, she, this is what she would want. So it was, there's no problem in, in, in giving the sacraments in that regards. And so I, I gave her uh, extreme unction uh, and, you know, expecting in a, in that this would be the last, is that to the, be her last uh, anointing. And it probably was maybe three Maybe four days later, um, it was. I think it might have been on a Monday that I or Tuesday, but the next Sunday um, here uh, I'm giving Holy Communion at, at Mass, and 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 here's the woman at the communion rail, and, and I was shocked. I mean, I didn't know, and she kind of pulled me aside after Mass and and said, you know, that she even though she was unconscious and that that she was aware of some, you know, of that. Of, of being given that and, and she said that she even her said she said you know you healed me and I, I said no I didn't heal you it was the sacrament I mean it was that's part of the sacrament is that either it will prepare the soul for death or it could heal the body if it, that be the greater thing to for for that soul and so I've seen that happen myself and it's not uncommon to where people do get better um, at least for a time uh, after they're given the extreme unction uh, because that was you know that they have more time uh, to prepare then for death when it does come. Um, so I've seen it to where people have um, been uh, anointed, and it wasn't long after that that they were, you know, fine. Uh, I've also seen it to where I've anointed people to where they got better uh, for just a period of time to allow them. Uh, sometimes to say goodbye uh, to their family or to to uh, in, a, in a more proper way. Um, my mother was that way when I gave her uh, extreme unction, and then then that was it, and then then they die. Uh, so, you know, it, it just varies. Uh, but I have seen where it has been a physical healing uh, that has taken place from given the sacrament. Um, so we we talked about the mechanics of viaticum. Uh, in the the first type of call you get now, you said this type of visit would be confession, viaticum, potentially uh, uh, extreme unction, apostolic blessing if if there's danger of death. So, I think this situation is probably a bit different because maybe you have family members there, maybe you have some novus ordo relatives who are thinking, "Who's this guy?" You know, I thought we wanted our our novus ordo cleric here. Have you ever had to? battle with a, a novus ordo cleric in, in the hallway and and they, they brought both of you or i i want i want to dig in a little bit more here on i guess war stories in which tell us about the mechanics of the visit were you obstructed by family members how does that how does that work because it's quite it sounds to me quite different from the i'm going to go visit the faithful in their home to give them communion right um well i can give you a uh, a story that was uh I got a call from uh, a, a prisoner uh, when I was a, a larger parish. When I was, it was not, it was maybe a year or two after I was ordained, and she had her. I think it was her father uh, who was in the hospital and and was in danger of death. And um, the the daughter was a normal prisoner. She was a good Catholic in, in that, and but she did say, you know, her her father was. Uh, he was Catholic, of course, uh, but he he was more uh, he hasn't really he didn't practice much because of the changes and he just it wasn't. But he was he wanted to see a priest, <clears throat> and so I got to the hospital. Well, the the uh, the the lady didn't quite tell me what to expect really because as I got off the elevator, of course I have our Lord with me, and I'm walking in the hall and here there's there's probably ten people that were there, other family members. And uh, to, to what she didn't tell me was that the other family members were either Protestant or Novus Ordo, and they did not want me there at all. In fact, they were, they were very hostile 
in fact, uh, I got off the elevator and I started walking and she hurry up the, the, my, the prisoner there ran to me quickly and, and kind of, you know, and, and said, told me then right there that, Oh, by the way, <laughs> you know, you're, they're, you're, there's, there's, they're hostile. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> before you smell so, the, before you smell the sulfur, she warns you. Uh, yes. Right. <laughs> right. So I began walking towards the room and keep in mind the, the father had wanted and asked the daughter to get me. And so it was his wish, but the other family members didn't want that to happen. Um, so I'm walking towards the room and, you know, these couple of burly guys, you know, kind of block the hallway and, you know, and my, my instinct, of course, my, and I'm thinking to myself, uh, in my mind, I mean, it just flashes like, boy, this will make a good news story. You know, a priest gets in a fight in the hallway of, with, you know, I'm thinking, oh boy, what a scandal this is going to be. And this, this is, this is, this is in Alabama. So correct father. No, no, this was actually in the Northwest. It oh. was in, in Spokane. Okay. So I had a completely different picture in my mind, you know, a couple of bubbas with like tank tops. Oh yeah, no. You know. Okay. So this is in the, okay. No. This is back up yeah. by Spokane. Okay. Yeah, no. And so I'm, so I'm, you know, of course, in my mind, I'm praying, you know, you know, help, you know, to the Holy Ghost, you know, help, help me. And the, the, uh, the, the daughter kind of steps up a little bit and they begin to kind of attack her, kind of argue with her and card them. And it got kind of heated in, in the group. All these people kind of gravitate then towards her, which left me an opening to <laughs> the door. And so as they're yelling and doing this and, you know, arms flailing and all this sort of thing, you know, and us and, you know, what's he, you know, that kind of thing. Well, I just slipped into the room and, and, uh, so I'm in there in the room and of course the man's there and he's, he's quite sick and, you know, he's happy to see me and, um, and he, he's, I reconciled him to the church. Uh, you know, I heard his confession. I, I gave him viaticum. I anointed him. And granted, you know, this is a long time. This is, you know, all that, you know, takes 20 I'm minutes, thinking, half hour sometimes. Well, yeah, depending on how long his confession is. But I'm thinking at least at least an hour you're, you're doing that stuff. It Well, yeah, I mean, you could, it depends, right? I mean, it could be 30 minutes to an hour, right? But I, can, I don't remember what it was, but it was a long time, at least, at least 30 minutes or 40 minutes. But, you know, in the, in the hallway, I can still hear the ruckus going on. <laughs> And, and so, you know, I'm giving, and Protestants are so boring, aren't they father? I mean, yeah, right. Well, it was Novus Ordo too, by the way. So same thing. Right. Right. But so I gave him everything and I prepared him for, for death, uh, and, and all that. And I, and, and then I, I left the room and I walk out and they're kind of still arguing and all this sort of thing. And I just walk right past them and then they all kind of stopped and they all of a sudden realized you know, they've been doing this for so long and they looked at me and I just kind of looked and I didn't smile or nothing. I, I kind of wanted to. But I, <laughs> you did give, I would have given them a thumbs up or something like, thanks guys. Right, I, right. I, I needed some silence in there. Appreciate it. So I'm out of right. here. Well, I mean, right. And so I'm walking to the elevator and of course the, 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 the daughter comes, you know, running kind of towards me and she's, you know, I said, well, I gave him the sacraments. I prepared him. And she, she kind of said like, what just happened? Cause she didn't really, you know, I mean, I, it was really the working, I mean, it's the working, I would think of, of that man's, especially his guardian angel, having these things happen to allow me to go in to, to provide for him. To do your work. And to my work. And so, you know, that's, that's uh, not necessarily uncommon that those kind of things uh, happened uh, in, in that regard. But, you know, it's, it just depends that you have... The worst thing that you could, you know, is when you have family members, though, who are, are uh, will try to deny the sacraments uh, for their, for the relative, even though that relative may want it. I'm dealing that with that right now, actually. Uh, one of my parishioners um, is in, is in, uh, uh, he's in some place. I don't know where he's at, uh, but his daughter, who's not uh, traditional, I mean, she's not, she, she is. Uh, she refuses to give me where he's at, and I and 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 so I can't give him. You know, I've been begging and saying no. I, he needs, the, and she refuses. And, and there's nothing I can do. I can't, you know, other than pray to maybe 
you know, she might soften her heart. He might, he might send you a messenger pigeon or something with his GPS location. And then you could, right. Who knows? I don't, but maybe it might, but it, it, but these are the sad things. Sometimes you come across is that you you know denial the sacraments, but then you see the other things that happen too, that are just, you know, they're, they're certainly, they're just miracles or little, like little miracles, uh, in that regards. And I even had one time when I was in the hospital, um, I was giving, I was giving a communion, I think, to someone in the hospital. It wasn't it wasn't necessary of death, but it was. I think I was giving communion. I was, and I visited with that uh, prisoner, and I and I walked out into <clears throat> the hallway, and here's this gentleman comes uh, wheeling. He was in a wheelchair, and he comes quickly wheeling up towards me, and he says, uh, "Father, I've um, my wife uh, is in is in this room." Uh, and, and she's dying, and, and there's no priest that would come, uh, you know, to 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 give her give her last rites. And he, this was an older gentleman, and so I, you know, I, I ascertained, of course, that they were Novus Ordo, and, and I, and so I, okay, well, I, I walk into the room, and of course, the woman's unconscious, and she is dying. She's going to die, and um, you know, at that point, I, 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 I had to ascertain, you know, they were older, both of them were older, certainly well before Vatican II. And, you know, and I said, you know, do you um, just ask, ascertain some information, you know, I mean, are you, are you, do you, both, you know, uh, faithful Catholics? I mean, you're, how do you guys feel about altar girls? <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't. Yeah, those are things you don't want to exactly at that moment kind of get in, but you want to get the basics and, you know, you don't, you're not, you know, I kind of deny, you don't deny anything or anything. I mean, you're, you believe everything the church teaches. Oh, yes, yes. And, and what was the clincher for him? He says, oh, we. We pray the rosary every day, um, and I saw that she had she had on a brown scapular. And these are the things that don't happen in the Masordo. Um, and right, so, you're like you're like you don't pray no luminous mysteries, do you? Right. No. Right. No. I mean, but so it was. So right then I knew that okay that because they're they're probably they old faithful. school people who right. who just kind of went along, didn't know any better. Right. And so and plus they had a good devotion, great devotion to our Blessed Mother, and which is, you know, a sure sign that. It was hurt by her hand that you know that he, I ran into him, and so it was meant to me. So I was able to give, you know, her. I gave it conditionally, of course, because she was a. Uh, um, but I still able able to give her the the sacraments, and and which he had told me, he says yes, that uh, no priest, uh, no priest would come, uh, which is not uncommon in the Novus Ordo land. Um, is that I I would get calls. In fact, here I got a call from someone who was dying. Uh, in a nursing home at this chaplain that they have there, this nursing home Protestant chaplain had called all these other Novus Ordo, everyone around in the whole area. No priest would come, none. This woman was dying. And so he finally called me from, and I says, oh, okay. And so I, I, I went and, and of course, again, had to ascertain some things. She was a, uh, Faithful Catholic, I mean, as far as prior, prior to Vatican II, and, and she was wearing a brown scapular. She was, uh, you know, she prayed a rosary, and, and so. That is fascinating. I, when you tell me a Novus Ordo person is wearing a brown scapular, unless they're, you know, one of these conservatives that, you know, like when I was with the Norbertines, yeah, I knew that, but let's say regular Johnny Jane Catholic in the pew with a brown scapular, that's shocking. So it probably made the same impression on you. Oh, sure. No, I mean, that that's usually a. A, a, a good indication to me uh, that okay this is this is meant to be this is you know right uh, what to do uh, and maybe they made the fr- the five Saturdays a long time ago you know that's one of the promises of Our Lady and and that you because as I'm hearing you talk about this I'm thinking how many of us take for granted that we're going to be provided for at the time right. of death you right know? and you know if you if you've um, if you've completed certain devotions to Our Lady she'll she'll take care of you. Uh, but uh, you got to wake up for those first Saturdays and get that get get that done. Um, That's right. That's right. So uh, you you mentioned the story about the the Burley brothers and and the sister, and I'm thinking about the phrase collateral damage, but I'm thinking about the phrase <laughs> collateral collateral saving in a, in a way. Have you had a situation in which you, you've come to administer the sacraments and then people have gotten curious? Or nurses or um, bystanders that you mentioned this this guy saw you going into another sick call and 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 called on you. Have you found any collateral helping uh, when you've gone on sick calls where it's led to to positive interactions? Oh sure. Um, 
I mean, there's always um, just a sure fact that you have a a, a priest um, who is providing the prayers of the church to someone, even Protestants, you know, there is at least a grudgingly respect that might be there. Um, and especially when the priest, of course, is comporting himself as he should, as a priest should, as with reverence and dignity, etc. Is that, you know, because oftentimes in Novus Ordo, it's, you know, everything is just a joke and, and it's job, you know, I mean, it just, you know, it, it, but when you, people often respond though to a, a, certain amount of gravity and, and reverence that you that you have when you're given the sacraments. But I know that um, I've given the sacraments. In fact, there was a woman when I was in Colorado. Um, she was a faithful Catholic, but then um, got dementia um, and had dementia for a while. And, and uh, so she wasn't really aware. Of, and obviously she couldn't give uh, someone who the sacraments when in their dementia state in that regards, because they don't know and they don't understand. Um, but yet she was on her death and she was dying and her daughter, one of her daughters was there. This of course was, uh, but she had either had left the faith many, many, many years ago uh, and was just some Protestant or something or, or non-denominational or what have you, but still very, you know, I mean, she wasn't like anti-Catholic, but she did, she called me and said, you know, my mother's dying. She would, you know, can you come and she's a, she needs a priest. And so when I got there, I, and I, uh, the woman of obviously was unconscious, but yet, um, I began to, I said, I leaned over her and, you know, began to, cause even though they're unconscious, they're maybe on some level, they can still understand. And I, I had my purple stole on because I was just going to give her a blessing, etc. But yet, uh, I said, you know, this is Father Oswald. I'm here. I'm here to pray, pray for you, etc. And it was her eyes opened, and she grabbed my stole, and she was cognizant, and she knew. Uh, it's almost as if the dementia left, and she was said, you know, she was cognizant at that moment, and she was, uh, she wanted the sacraments, uh, and she and I and she proved that she was in her right mind. Uh, which she hadn't been for a long time. And so the woman, the daughter's witnessing this uh, as I'm, and so finally I, I gave her um, I, I extreme unction and she, she followed along. She, she knew it. And then after I did it, she was at, she kind of was at peace uh, and she just closed her eyes again and kind of went back into her, um, uh, into her coma, like I guess state, um, or at least maybe she at least fell asleep a deep sleep, and of course the daughter shocked uh, at this. She she you know she 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 couldn't comprehend, and I knew that it made an impression on her. I don't know if she ever returned to the faith uh, or not because I, I I was transferred not too long after that, um, but I know it made an impression. Um, because that's the sacrament of the of the church, and not only is it, of course, for that person at that moment, but the rite itself. Just like when a Protestant or someone who's not Catholic attends a a, a mass, you know, there's the you know you often read of how sometimes just by a Protestant attending one true mass that they you know they were converted uh, by the yeah. So you never know, but there is always, as you said, there's a collateral you know uh seed being thrown sometimes uh for for those who are disposed to 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 see it right the seed that lands on the good ground right that's right um it, it you mentioned conditional and i'm thinking obviously you're talking about confession so if you can't uh, it's the same thing in, in wartime a priest can't hear everybody's confession right before a battle so he gives conditional uh, absolution, right? So you're, you're speaking of conditional in the terms of that, that woman being um, uh, unconscious earlier. So you were giving her conditional absolution based on an act of contrition from her part the last time she was conscious, possibly. Yes. And also you do, like if you were to give extreme unction, you can give that conditionally. In other words, if you are able to receive this, of course, then you'd be able. That's how the priest is just giving that. Uh, if there's a certain doubt, you always kind of favor uh, in in the in, you know in regards to the person. 
So, you know, the priest makes that assertion whether or not to give it um, uh, if it had been Krishna. Because obviously, probably for confession and viaticum, you want to be conscious because you're either going to make a confession of sins or you're going to receive our Lord. Um, are there any responses within the rite of extreme unction? Are you, are you uh, pledged to respond or is that something that can simply be said over you? I, I was going to say like an exorcism, but but it's not at all like an exorcism. <laughs> but um, the idea where a priest is simply reading a, um, a set of prayers prescribed by the church for that particular time period. Yes, well, I mean the it's technically, I mean, or not the 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 person during during the rite uh, certainly should be able to res could respond in sometimes, um, especially when he says like the confidior. I mean, the person should be able to say the confidior, but again people today don't know the confidior, especially in Latin and in, in, in regards. And so the priest will often will say it all uh, for the person. Um, and, and, and so, um, you know, it's the person, but of course the person, the priest instructs the person, if the person is, is uh, um, awake and, and, and cognizant is that the priest will instruct the person, of course, to, you know, be sorry for your sins, uh, you know, make sure in your interior praying, especially praying the name of our Lord so over and over in your heart and your mind, you know, as the rite is going on. And, and um, so, you know, the, the, there is a possibility. Now, I, I, there's only, only once that I, I actually had someone uh, actually did the responses for me, and that was actually uh, it was a priest who was in the hospital, <laughs> and uh, he was he was uh, um, another. It was two uh, priests was in the hospital, and there were two of us, two other priests, uh, me and another priest went to see him, um, and the other priest was giving him extreme unction. Of course, the priest knows it, and so uh, he was giving the responses from his from the hospital bed. So I mean that was that 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 was norm. That's because he knew it, and. and um, but that's the only time I've ever seen people, um, you know, respond. I was going to say, have you ever, um, did you, you were probably kind of tossed right in, uh, into the thick of it because they know you'd, you'd had some sort of formation in the past, but ideally, uh, are, are new priests given any sort of, uh, training or do they go out on, like when you're a deacon, do you go out on sick calls in order to figure out how this, go how this works? Cause I can't imagine they just expect you to know what you're doing day one. <laughs> No, I, I'm I'm sure that uh, I mean that's part of the seminary training anyway, and you know even of course in in the traditional seminaries, of course you have your your practicums of 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 classes where you actually you know go through the rite and you do that. But yes, I would uh, you do um, uh, shadow a priest, uh, which it's always a good thing. I mean, I I did that. Obviously, I did that in Noah Sora, but I did that too in regards to when I was in traditional seminary too as well. I mean, I was, you know, you go in shadow and, and so you can assist like a server in a sense, the priest, etc. in that regards. But at the same time, you're learning. Um, and uh, so, but yes, it, there is a, uh, but this is the wonderful thing about the right to the church is that, you know, you, there's no, you don't, there's no, um, you know, individuality to it, you know, you're not there like a, to, to learn to be an entertainer kind of thing. And that kind of thing is that you have the right there and you know, the rubrics, you know what you have to do. And so you, you do it. And, and uh, certainly, uh, you know, your, your bedside manner, so to speak afterwards, of course, uh, will improve as time goes on, I suppose. And, and, and that regards in other ways, but um, you know, that's the church has her rights and, and the priest and the minister of the right is there to give to give it as the church has decreed and, and as our Lord has decreed. And so you, you rely upon that. That's, you know, it's not like you have to reinvent the wheel like it in the Nova Sordo. I mean, you, basically you're you're an entertainer. And so you have to it's it's your personality. You know, you has to come through and all that. But as a priest, you, you know, you don't you don't have that. I mean, you're the minister of the sacraments. Well, and I, I was going to say you, um, for, for people who don't know Father Oswald, he's, uh, he's our resident uh, escape from the Novus Ordo expert. If, you, if you've never heard a show with Father Oswald before, last season he did an excellent series with Jason Guardiano called Escape from the Novus Ordo uh, by two escapees. <laughs> and, and, and this is the, the final part of today's uh, episode, Father, is I want to get in with you a little bit about um, that contrast. So obviously today we've just been talking about the Catholic notion of, of, 
uh, extreme unction, et cetera. But what was your experience in, in the Novus Ordo? What, um, what was their attitude towards uh, this sacrament? And how, do, how was it contrasted from, from your time now as a Catholic priest? Well, I think probably the, the biggest contrast <clears throat> that I can see that I experienced was in the Novus Ordo is that uh, for the most part, um, not all, of course, but a lot of the presbyters or the priests uh, in the Novus Ordo, um, they, uh, they, they don't want to go on sick calls. They don't want to go to the hospitals. They don't, it's almost uh, because the, the priesthood for them is a nine to five sort of job. And, and for, this is why, again, um, like I said earlier, I got a call from some uh, from the nursing home because no Novus Ordo presbyter would come, you know, and, and that was that's kind of the norm. Is that, uh, and I think the the it, it's just a, a fallout from the the general praxis, the general understanding of universal salvation. And well, it doesn't matter. I mean, everyone's going to heaven anyway, kind of thing. So, and so the 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 thing that I I see the biggest contrast was in the Novus Ordo is again, you, you, I mean, it, it, it was pretty common where people necessarily would not call the priest because they knew really the priest wouldn't come or if they did, then I mean, the priest might come. I mean, some of the younger ones, I guess, who try to do uh, like I did, you know, you try to do the best, but what was, what was different in regards to the, the, the traditional, I mean, a true priest is that, I mean, I was, my first year as, as or after ordination you know in a large parish in spokane there and and you know i'd be getting calls two o'clock in the morning you know in, in regards you know someone's in the hospital someone's dying you know and i'd i know i'd be in the car in 10 minutes being you know on the road after you know get our lord from the tabernacle and and you know i'd be on the road and and and, and they're given the sacraments and you know it was just that was just the that's what you do is that you're on call 24 seven and whatever time, whatever, you know, you're doing, you, you, you drop it and you, you, you go. And that's what every priest that I know of a true priest, of course, does that. Um, and, and, you know, we do, sir, sir, at times it's, it's difficult. Uh, it can be even inconvenient sometimes, but yet you do it uh, because it's needed. Uh, and because it's about souls. And I think that's probably the large difference between the Novus Ordo and, and the Catholic Church is that it's truly in the Catholic Church, of course, it's always about souls. It's about the salvation of souls. The Novus Ordo, it really, they may, they may say it with their mouth, but they don't really mean it. Um, so that was, a, that was a big, and the sacraments themselves are pretty watered down. Of course, they've changed it all. Well, I figured you'd show up in white and it'd be like a high five fest because you're sending them straight to heaven. So I mean, you know, what was sacrament of the sick in the Novus Ordo? You show up in white, give them a high, give them a high five, and and head out the door. I mean, what what more do you what more do you need to do? No, I, that's I mean, it, you're not too far off <laughs> when you when you say that. Unfortunately, I, I, in that regards, I mean, I, you know, I I spent some time as a seminarian in in, in the Novus Ordo in the ho, in a hospital a week a summer in a hospital working in a hospital and shadowing, you know, or chaplains, etc. And it was kind of a joke but it was you had to do it but um the the quote-unquote catholic priest uh i i shadowed him one time he was giving anointing of the sick to someone um, who was in the bed who was a catholic of course anointing the sick you know is basically you know it's basically if, if you have any kind of illness really you can i mean if you have a cold you can get anointing and that kind of thing so you know and the prayers are pretty pathetic in that regards and just anointing on the forehead and on the, on the hands but so he did that to her, and it was just, you know, like no big deal, even though uh, she was pretty sick. But then all the other people in the room, so you had family that were there, and they were Protestant, and, was, and, uh, and he decided, well, since everyone's here, let me just anoint everyone here in the room. And so he says, you just put out your hands, and I'm going to go by and make the on your hands. So I'm standing there watching this debacle. Um, and, you know, and it's just this, just uh, so... It's a debasing of the sacrament, of course, and that's that's 
you know, it's it's that same feeling I get when when you when you're you go to this Nova Sorta wedding and the and the presbyter says, "Now everybody extend their hands. We're we're gonna we're gonna offer a blessing as if I have any sacramental ability, right? Right. <laughs> and right. Or um or the kitties gathering around the Nova Sorta table. You know, oh, you know, we're right. we're gonna invite them in, and you just it's it's a cringe moment, but it also just I think for me it's an out of body experience when I'm thinking you people actually think this is any good. Like you think this matters. Uh, I'm going to come by and anoint your hands. It's just, it's a, it's a joke. It's a joke. Yes. And it is really not comforting really, of course, because part of this, the sacrament of extreme unction as well is it's comforting to the soul. It's comforting to the person to know. I mean, it comforts them. And I tell you the truth. When I, after a while in Novus Ordo, after I was quote unquote ordained, I mean, I would actually use the rite of extreme unction. I, I would not use the anointing of the sick thing. I would actually use it, the right, the prayers of uh, the actual prayers that I, you know, use now. I mean, I, obviously, I wasn't a priest. I mean, it wasn't efficacious in that regards. But I remember one time I was giving extreme unction, you know, at least when I thought it was a priest, to this gentleman in a hospital. And of course, I'm reading the prayers. I would do it in English for them, um, but yet it brought the man to tears because he had never heard these beautiful prayers before. I mean, and, and it, but it comforted him just by the prayers themselves, even though there was no grace because I was not a priest, so I, even though I didn't know it. But um, well, the, the the prayers are still prayers. You don't have to be a priest to say prayers in a certain way. So you're right that had that let's say um, ex opere operantis grace for him. Right, right. So it was uh, so, but he. Because of those prayers themselves, I mean, of course, that was great comfort to him. Because if you read, the, of course, the rite of extreme unction and the prayers that are said, they are quite powerful and beautiful. But again, you compare them to the the sappiness of the anointing, uh, the sick prayers, uh, and you know, there's nothing there. And, and so you can see the contrast even in that at times. Um, it just it just reminds me, um, Father, uh, Catholicism is a religion for thinking people. Uh, Catholicism is a religion for grown-ups. Grown-ups realize there's a time to be serious and there's a time to, to joke around. And in the Novus Ordo, there's never a time to be serious. It's a religion for children. And and there's no point in being a grown-up in the Novus Ordo because you're going to be the only one in the room that's a grown-up. You're going to be surrounded by kids. Um, right. And in a certain way, you can't blame the kids because kids don't know any better. Right, right. I mean, it, it's uh, you can, yeah, you, as far as uh, the their spiritual Children is basically is what it, I mean. If if they're spiritual at all, they're children, right? And so the difference is quite starkly in front of you. And I'll even tell you one more story. When I was because I, I told you I would use the um, extreme unction, the uh, right, uh, not anointing the sick, but you know, anointing the sick it takes two minutes. I mean, you say this, you know, I mean, and you're done. I mean, you, you have, they have, they have all this, I mean, they have these, you can have the option. You have the, you can do a lot of readings from scripture, of course. Oh, don't, don't um, tell me there's options. Big surprise. Yes. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have, so, but it, I mean, most people, I mean, it's, you're, you're like, you go in and you say the prayer and you're done. You're like two minutes. And so I remember. <laughs> it's like, you're, uh, it's like Eucharistic prayer number two, right? You right. Can just, you could do the, uh, the fastest epiclesis in the West. Right, right, but but I was uh, um, I was in the uh, a nursing home um, that was run uh, by uh, a nun, uh, you know, quote unquote nun. I mean, she was older. I mean, but she was certainly uh, the typical Novus Ordo older nun. You know, very very hatred towards uh, everything and that. So, uh, but uh, you know, she ran it. But I, there was a. She had said, "Oh, by the way, there's a you know there's a lady who's probably gonna die. You, know, you might want to just you know say a prayer over her." And, and, okay, so I, I went into the room, and I and I went through the extreme unction. I, you know, it took 20 minutes or whatever. And lo and behold, this nun and this other older lady—I don't know who she was—they were standing outside the door with their hands crossed, or arms crossed. And I walk out, and they began to berate me. Because I took too long. Because I was, she says, I, I can't believe you were in there so long. Why were you in there so, why did it take so, what are you doing too, so long? I mean, it, you know, as if it was a crime that I actually prayed longer than the normal two minutes for this woman. Um, you know, and this is the, but this is the, 
the farce that's the Novus Ordo, and you know, it's the um, it's demonic, obviously, but it's um, I, so you see this uh, just contrast of of you know it, what is at stake, and obviously souls really aren't for the Novus Ordo, and no one really ultimately, although they may say it with their lips, but they really don't care. Um, oh, that's the great sin in the, in the Novus Ordo is taking too long. That's why you have to have 17 Eucharistic ministers, because God forbid communion take more than five minutes. Right. Yes. Well, come on, Father. We, we need all these ministers. Well, well, why do we need all these ministers? Well, because we need communion to be the express lane, you know, self-checkout, right. you know. Right. I, I half expect that the Novus Ordo will evolve to, you know, like self-checkout at the supermarket. You can just pick up your hosts and uh, or you can even take it to go. Like they'll have they'll have a little to go um, quote unquote precious blood and, and, and host, and you can just take it with you. That way you don't have to bother to come up and you can just cut the extraordinary ministry. We'll, we'll downsize them. And, and all those, all those old people have to cry about it. Right. No, I, I've seen the self-service, uh, uh, communion. I've seen that before. Yeah. That, that's not, that's coming, that's coming down the pike in a more general and more universal way for the Novus Ordo. I've seen that. Yeah, I, I shared, a, we have a private um, Facebook group for our annual members, and I shared one, they had a, are you familiar, in America, they have these uh, things called Lunchables, Father? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. well, imagine a Lunchable sort of format, but on one side is a host, and another side is some a wine. And so this is what they use at World Youth Day. So they just consecrate all these things, which isn't even licit because you're not supposed right. to have you're not supposed to have the precious blood covered by an object when you're consecrated. So forget about it. it's not even licit, right. uh, even if it was valid, which it isn't. But right. then oh, I, what did what do they like toss them out like you're at a baseball game, you know, when you want to get T-shirt, you know, like, hey, right. you know, raise <laughs> right. your hand and, and, and get um, and get Jesus. It's just it's just dreadful. I mean, yes. and, and again, how can someone look at that? This is a, this goes back, I, I suppose. I'm always going to drag you back to escape from the Novus Ordo, Father, and I'm going to ask you these sort of questions. But but how does someone look at that, or or look at you know this this joke anointing of the sick and really think this is a real religion? Like I I, I just I don't you know when how can you say that this is the body of Christ when this is the attitude you take? It doesn't make any sense. No, no, there's a there is a disconnect there. I mean, it's certainly. You know, it is uh, um, it is a dissonance. It is a it is almost like uh, it's a almost one becomes schizophrenic in a certain in this in a, in a way where you you don't live in reality. I mean, you you try to have this certain reality that you want it to be true, maybe, but you're forced to look at the reality that you uh, that it is truly it is, and then there's this it's a disconnect. It is, you know, that is it, it it's it's. Uh, you're right. It, it, because of that, then you, be, you begin to well, ultimately lose your faith, of course, because then you you begin to see the the absurdity of it, and and it is absurd, um, and eventually it does resonate. Eventually, and that's why people just stop going, and they just say, "Well, pff, who cares anymore? I mean, this is ridiculous," and you know, and so things like um, you know, other things take more. Other things you see like politics or something like that, that that seems more serious than this. And so then people just say, well, we'll forget religion then. We'll just live for naturalism now. Right. No, so. it makes all the sense of the world. Uh, and, and speaking of uh, of your time, Father, I think we've, we've taken up the, the time of a sick call. So I, I want to let you get on to your next sick call or what other activities you may have today. Um, uh, today, uh, our, our listeners, you've been listening to a special edition of the flagship show of, of uh, member-supported Restoration Radio, uh, the beginning of a, a mini-series, which we'll do occasionally um, in Season 6 on Sick Calls, and Father's been kind enough to be our first guest in this series. And today we've been talking about the um, character of Sick Calls that Father goes on, uh, what happens, uh, some of his experiences, war stories. And finally, we had a chance to get some of his special insight as a, a former uh, inmate of the Novus Ordo sect 
who uh, who managed to escape uh, safely and is now with us uh, in the Catholic Church. So we're we're uh, thankful for his time. Um, if you have any questions uh, for Father, uh, please uh, or any about anything you heard on this episode, uh, please email questions at truerestoration.org. That's question with an S at the end. We want to remind you that the flagship show is a production of member-supported Restoration Radio. All rights reserved, and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. To obtain permission, please write to copyright at truerestoration.org. Father, um, as always, thank you so much for your time, and we look forward to having you back with us uh, in Season 6. Okay, thank you. God bless you. Thank you. All of us here at Member Supported Restoration Radio hope that you found this show to be informative, helpful, and beneficial to you and to your faith. In return, please think of offering a Mass, a Rosary, or even a simple Ave for our work the next time you pray. For the Restoration, I'm Stephen Heiner. May God bless you.